On today's episode of the Nifty Nick Show, I'm excited to have on Tubador, the steward of the Metapurse Fund. They're best known for their $69 million purchase of Beeple's Every Days earlier this year, but they're also the team behind Beat 20 as well as investments in Tezos, Flow, Polkadot, and more. The show's all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception, so let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry. Your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. All right, and I'm here with Tubador of Metapurse Fund. Thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Nick. Good to be here. So I want to jump into Metapurse Fund, B20 token, all sorts of things. But I thought maybe we can, you know, set the context first, which is. Uh, how you first got involved uh, with MetaCoven and MetaPurse Fund. It sounds like things really started to coalesce in 2020, but maybe you could bring us up to that point. Yeah, they did coalesce in 2020. And uh, you know, my origin story in crypto is uh, slightly embarrassing for that reason. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I met MetaCoven in 2013. That's when he discovered Bitcoin, actually. He was an app developer in the same city I was a journalist at. So we were working together on something and uh, he he found Bitcoin and he was super excited about it. He told me everything he knew at that moment. And that packet of information was enough to give him wings and set him off on a journey of, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, discovery, innovation and so on. And it left me completely unaffected. It did nothing to me. It went, it flew past my head. I mean, uh, I do make a living with words, uh, and I did understand the words that were coming out of his mouth, but I had no idea what they meant when put together like that. So I meandered about uh, for a few years after that in uh, corporate communications and advertising. I started to write about uh, supply chain finance and financial technology and everything under the sun. And uh, after about uh, three or four years, we've been, we had been in touch uh, all through that time. It finally started to make sense to me. And in 20 2017, when he founded uh, uh, a DeFi protocol, uh, that's when I sort of uh, jumped on the crypto bandwagon with him. I wrote about DeFi extensively for a few years, worked there, and uh, it finally clicked in 2020 when I discovered NFTs for the first time. Now, Metacoven had been collecting NFTs since 2017. He discovered uh, um, NFTs through Decentraland, actually. I mean, we, we completely bypassed... Uh, Crypto kitties and uh, you know crypto punks and uh, a lot of those things, a lot of those collectible phenomena. But uh, uh, for some reason, the idea of uh, virtual land that can never be taken away from you, that, uh, because you know, uh, as somebody who didn't grow up in the U.S., property rights are not the same as uh, uh, in the rest of the world as they are in the U.S. So uh, that, that that was very close to uh, Metacoven's heart and it it vibed very strongly with him. So that was the first uh, sort of NFT entry point for him. Art, I suppose, we discovered in 2020 uh, when he was at uh, NFT NYC and, and met some amazing creators, and that's how it started. Uh, for me personally, I sort of plunged into it um, after Metacoven bought First Supper uh, on Async Art, which is the first work of programmable art ever. And uh, you know, my my mind has 
continue to be blown on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis in this space. And uh, I just fell in love with it. Awesome. Man, what you mentioned there about uh, land property rights in the rest of the world was not even a consideration for me when I was thinking about digital land rights. Uh, but that makes a ton of sense. And uh, unsurprisingly, I think we're seeing a lot of activity uh, you know, outside of the Uni United States as it applies to this space. Um, so, so that is really fascinating. So what, uh, in 2020, were you already working uh, with Medicovin? You said in 2017, when he founded a DeFi protocol, you jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, but like, what was, uh, were you employed at that point by that DeFi protocol and now writing at this company? Or were you just like, uh, now writing about DeFi uh, as, as a third party? No, we were working together. Uh, Metacoven founded uh, that DeFi enterprise. It's Lendroid. It's a Singapore-based foundation. We do uh, uh, DeFi research primarily. We built a protocol which is used by um, uh, Whale Street now. Uh, and now, in fact, uh, a lot of the stuff that's going on currently uh, with uh, the B20 project, for instance, with uh, JAX, um, you know, massive bundling and fractionalization uh, efforts. All of that is uh, from the foundations that we built uh, with Lendroid, actually. So that, that's what I was uh, involved with for a long time. So what was the, the moment for you? Uh, it sounds like the first supper. So you're saying that was like your trigger into NFTs. What, what was the conversation like at that point? Were you saying, look, I want to help run an NFT fund? Or like, what, what, was, what was the conversation like at that point? Hardly. I mean, uh, the, the first reaction, obviously, is what the fuck am I looking at? Right? Is, uh, because this is not how we've, uh, we've been conditioned to look at art, right? This is, uh, I'm able to relate to it. I'm excited by it. Uh, that's not how art is supposed to be, right? I mean, we're all uh, uh, influenced by art every day, but it's subconscious. When we try and reach for it, uh, we realize that it's locked up in an ivory tower that you know only people with means are able to uh, engage with it. And you're made to feel like you're culturally deficient, inadequate <laughs> to be able to appreciate art. Uh, you, know, you feel like a Philistine in that sense. And here was uh, a work of art, which is historic, the first technologically so advanced. And it's a collaboration between 13 incredible artists. Uh, I'm able to relate to it. I feel it so deeply. So it can't be art or can it? So that, that was the trigger of the conversation. We started talking about it. And uh, in fact, from that moment to when Metapurse was actually born as an entity, which was uh, you know, way out in <laughs> September of 2020, we both Metacoven and I had sort of parallel journeys in the NFT space. We built some interesting experiments even before with respect to you know trying to do some additional stuff with NFTs, like uh, trying to uh, build processes through which you can trustlessly lease NFTs, uh, right? I mean, if, if you held, uh, say, uh, a crypto auctions parcel or something like that, you should be able to rent it out and, you know, get some income and stuff like that. So uh, the ability to split uh, the composability of an NFT, like parts of an NFT, and give out those spaces. For instance, you can sell the rights to build on your platform to somebody for a certain period of time, or you can sell the rights to somebody to simply hang out in your know on, on your pad for a little while those kinds of things so we were you know jointly working on some of those experiments but i sort of fell down the rabbit hole uh, in my own way starting to you know document a lot of the phenomena in the space uh, one big trigger for me was uh, an auction a live auction on async art uh, in which uh, you know 
some of these uh, some some really important pieces like uh, the tribe by uh, Park, Day Night by Rutger van der Tass, and and these kinds of things were going on auction, and that's when it sort of clicked for me. Uh, you know, why do I love this space so much? Why do I find it so appealing? Is because of this uh, instant access that you have, right? Which you which you never have in the real world. Not only is the art accessible, the artists are accessible. You know, you can just ping them on Twitter, DM them, and get in touch with an artist, and sort of uh, you know firsthand understand what they're talking about, where they're coming from, that zone. You get to share in that creative process, and that was uh, you know irresistible to me. Uh, so I did that for a few months, and then we sort of realized that our thesis about NFTs converged at a certain point. And that thesis is this: that you know NFTs are going to be the primary vehicle for crypto going forward. I believe that uh, very strongly that any innovation that you that you're going to see in crypto will be sort of subsumed in this vehicle called the NFT space. So people will start to equate crypto with NFTs going forward. So that was a very powerful. Um, realization uh, if you call it for both of us and we decided that you know, we ought to do something about it how do we uh, express this in in some sort of a meaningful way and in an evolving way and the result of that was metaverse i you know i agree with your thesis uh, it also sounds i had a conlin of async art on the show discussing uh, the piece honestly a couple episodes before this so it, it'll be it's it's a perfect sequence now what's the structure of metapurse fund and what came first uh, did b20 metapurse fund and like wh what were you thinking as you all uh, approached this you had the thesis it came together it coalesced but like uh was were you saying i know how it exists today and it sounds like there's a couple or two primary components, which is uh, the investment side of things. And then there's a studio side. Did you all architect that before B20 happened or did B20 come yeah. first? Yeah, we architected that before B20 happened, actually. And uh, it's a very simple structure. Nick. Uh, it's just Metacoven, uh, Metacoven's collection of NFTs. That's that's the simplest way to look at it. Right, his collection of NFTs and investments in NFT-based projects. My job as steward is to, you know, be a be a truffle sniffer in this space. Like I, I look for uh, diamonds in the rough. I look for these uh, interesting, exciting projects and people to work with, and uh, and then we jam. That's pretty much it. So another way of putting it would be Metacoven puts his money where my mouth is, <laughs> in a way. So, that, that, that's kind of the equation here. That's uh, a very simple structure. We're kind of working towards something more layered, but uh, no, that's that's how it started off as and still is for the most part. The studio side of things came from uh, another uptick in in the idea itself, right, of, of NFTs. You know, so uh, step one was to understand that they are culturally very significant, that NFTs are important. Great, let's start to collect NFTs that we feel are important that have some cool bit of technology in them, that have art or aesthetics that really draw you in. Uh, the second step is we started to ask ourselves this question. So we've got NFTs. What do we do with them? How do you experience NFTs? And, you know, all of this, this, this current boom in the space that you've seen has been mostly about acquisition, right? About acquiring as many NFTs as possible. And I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. The real explosion will happen when you try to answer the question, how do you experience these NFTs? That experience layer of NFTs is where it's really at, Nick. And, you know, 
one way of trying to look for this answer was the B20 project. So uh, we were, you know, we, we went in all guns blazing in December, trying to buy up an entire lot uh, that dropped on Nifty Gateway. It had never been done before. It was uh, pretty wild even to think about it. It's never going to happen again for obvious reasons. But we did because we knew exactly what we wanted to do with that. And that's not typical of uh, most collectors in the space, is it? When you buy an NFT, you don't, I mean, at the most, you think of flipping it at some future point. You think of uh, keeping it in your vault or displaying it somewhere. But uh, we, we tried to add an um, additional layer of experience of economy into those NFTs. And, and the result was a B20 project. Well, I'm curious today, like, what, what is your assessment today of B20? You know, uh, it was an explosion. You all, the, you know, I think in February, I guess, the $69 million acquisition, when that went down, that was like a tsunami in the space. Honestly, that moment is what triggered me to actually go all in on uh, this podcast and publication, essentially, was I was like, oh, ho holy shit, the wave is here. Um, and I'm late, which is, which is what was um, it, it took me by storm. But but at that moment in time, by the by the time that that had come together, that that was like a peak moment of the nft art space at least in the in that current cycle H how do you feel about it today what what does b20 look like today uh before I, my understanding of it is it's essentially fractionalizing uh, a collection a couple questions associated with that is the entire ongoing collection of nfts part of that or was the b20 simply limited to people's pieces and then the uh, second part of that is where is that today? And, uh, you know, is there ongoing development of uh, B20 or is it just a locked up asset, essentially? OK, I'll, I'll get to the first part. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm happy you said that it uh, sort of uh, it was an important moment for you, the B20 uh, project itself. Uh, a lot of people feel the same way. And, and for us, definitely, uh, it 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 sort of defined how we saw ourselves in the space and also has defined everything we did since then. Uh, a lot of people know us from the $69 million piece, but essentially I think for us, it all began with B20, you know, and, and the realizations that we had while working on that project. Uh, I'll get back to that in a second. But the nature of B20 itself is it's, it's a production. We looked at it like it was, uh, we were trying to produce a movie, an experience in the metaverse. So it is confined to those 20 uh, single edition pieces, to the monuments that we built to house them, uh, you know, using ec excellent work by Voxel Architects. And with that, you know, uh, original soundscape by Blau, all of this together, that bundle, mega bundle is what B20 represents. And as for what it is now, we're really proud of one fact is that it has remained unchanged. You know, the, the whole idea of the B20 project itself is to uh, sort of create a, a cultuary, if you will. It, it's, a, it's a new word. It, it doesn't exist. But the idea is that it's a slice of culture of a point in time, frozen and sort of established on the blockchain. That's what it represents, a cultuary from that moment in time. So we did not want to touch it. We didn't want to mess with uh, any aspect of it at all. In fact, well, you know, we were so conscious about it that we never even created, uh, you know, a separate Discord channel for uh, a community and all of that stuff. It's just a movie that we produced and sort of, uh, you know, uh, which enabled open access to everybody and shared ownership to whoever wanted it. That's that's pretty much it. 
of course, we didn't have a lot of uh, lessons that we learned along the way. Uh, some of them positive, but some of them that uh, were a kick in the ass later on. Uh, the positive ones were that one, there is a real appetite for experience in the metaverse, that people want to experience their NFTs in, in different ways. And uh, the, the Metapalooza, which was a launch event and had about 3,000 people participate in it, that was proof that that appetite exists. The other is that, uh, you know, the, the realization that there is space for this alternative, this supplementary economic ecosystem around NFTs, right? Up until now, there's hardly any space for creators, for, uh, you know, word guys like me, for artists in the crypto space, right? So unless you're a coder, unless you're uh, an expert in financial instruments, you've got no place here. You're just, you know, circling around and, and trying to talk about it. But B20 proved that, you know, that there's, uh, there's room for virtual architects, there's room for token engineers, there's room for communicators, there's room for artists, and so on and so forth. Uh, so these two are very powerful realizations for us. And we have used that to excellent effort, effect and will continue to do so in, in future projects. The uh, other hard lesson that not that we realized is that if it looks like an ERC-20 and squawks like an ERC-20 token, it's going to be a token project. Irrespective of how hard you try to tell people that it's not uh, a governance token, it's not a utility token, it's not a DeFi token. If you put a token out there, they're going to look at it as a token, uh, which is why, you know, Metacoven uh, has been talking about uh, making sure that when you do something, uh, it has to convey uh, the spirit of what it wants to do by design, rather than by a series of blogs or uh, tweet storms. So that was an interesting lesson for us. But in spite of all the, uh, uh, the pressure, all of the volatility that we saw, I think we succeeded in preserving the elegance of B20. The idea was to create some sort of a, you know, uh, something very simple, almost uh, amoebic in its simplicity, a single celled organism, essentially, like uh, a Bitcoin for the NFT space. That's all it represents, right? And, and we succeeded in doing that. And the idea of preserving a moment in culture is that it remains relevant a hundred years from now. Uh, it, and, and that's the long view that we've taken uh, as far as uh, the B20 project is concerned. You know, there's something that comes to mind and makes me wonder, like, did you guys consider enabling people to essentially stake their B20 tokens and receive an NFT as a result of that? Like, I, I could envision that and suddenly it'd be like, I don't care what happens to this. I have that NFT to show that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm invested in the vision. You know, the holding the B20 token does that just as well, doesn't it? Uh, my opinion, right? Whether you get another NFT by staking B20s or you have a handful of B20s, you still have a stake in the entire project. You still hold a piece of that history. So uh, anything we do apart from that in trying to you know, um, modify it or add extra limbs to it sort of dilutes the idea of B20. Fair enough. That's not to say it, uh, that's not to say it, it won't have a role in anything that we do uh, um, in the future. It's just that it, it gives us a very strong sense of responsibility. Whatever we do with this from now on, better be uh, you know something that does not take away uh, from the original spirit of the project. That makes a ton of sense. And as you've mentioned and emphasized essentially is that it's like a time capsule, essentially. It captures that moment yeah. in time. We created that the, the package together essentially and that it, it demarcates that moment, uh, which uh, makes a ton of sense. So 
I'm curious in the sense of uh, Metapurse Fund itself, it sounds like this is uh, Metacoven's uh, money, essentially, portfolio allocated to NFTs. I did see on the website that that was used and in the story, uh, which was documented on Substack uh, months ago, that, that uh, the original funds, which came from uh, Ethereum's ICO, essentially, and was able to be used to invest in other port, uh, you know, uh, in other projects, essentially, some other blockchains as well. Is Metaverse Fund exclusively focused around the NFT and Metaverse portion of uh, Metacoven's portfolio, or is it now essentially yeah. his entire investment vehicle? It's not his entire investment vehicle. Uh, it does uh, um, focus just on the Metaverse side of things. And uh, there have been some interesting projects, but all of them are very deeply entrenched in the NFT space. So what are some of like the the more exciting investments that you've made that you're like, uh, like just super excited about at the moment? Oh man, <laughs> uh, quite, quite a few actually, but you know, a few do come to mind. I mean, some of the earliest investments that he made in this space were uh, into async art and uh, say super rare platforms of that sort. Async art especially is uh, exciting to me because I uh, I believe it uh, sort of uh, changes the paradigm of how art can be experienced. It's like a shift from cave paintings to canvas. It's it's a whole new medium as such, and it's so crypto native. It's like the art on Async art can't exist uh, anywhere else but on the blockchain. So that makes it really exciting. Uh, uh, we're also excited about Alethea.ai which is basically uh, they infuse artificial intelligence, GPT-3 technology into NFTs. And that is so, uh, it, it's freaky and exciting at the same time. Uh, we recently uh, you know, had a podcast with uh, Darth Vader as in you know, AI. Uh, you're able to live chat with your uh, NFT because it's infused with artificial intelligence, with a personality. And to have NFTs that you can have conversations with is super exciting. You know, it, it changes the entire, uh, you know, um, how do I say, the way you look at avatars, for instance, or NFTs in general. So that's that's one we're really excited about. There, of course, is, uh, um, you know, giant uh, conglomerates like Animoca Brands, who we've we've grown very close to. Uh, Yatsu is an incredible person. He's had uh, an awesome journey in tech and in the NFT space. He's one of the champions of this space. And uh, uh, there's, um, yeah, so quite a few actually, but these do come to mind immediately. The, the one that you mentioned about Darth Vader makes a ton of sense. I had on another guest the other day who's, uh, their, or well, guess they're investing in the metaverse. They have their own metaverse fund essentially, and they're buying up land and doing other things. But, um, and actually, you know who it was? It was actually someone from Flamingo Dow, now, now that I think about it, that was essentially discussing these AIs wandering through the uh, metaverse and uh, how they, they would fund development of that. And it sounds very similar uh, that these autonomous objects, which are, you know, creations, they could be collectibles, they could be NFTs that have these experiences that other people can go and engage with and interact with. Uh, it's like a living piece of art, which is re really cool. So yeah, exactly. that, that, that one definitely stands out. It also reminds me, I don't know if you've watched the TV show Westworld, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that that that's exactly what it, came it, to it'd mind. It'd be a while before you can, yeah, yeah. It'd be a while before it gets uh, as gratuitous as that. Probably not, but I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
but but uh, yeah something to look forward to then <laughs> exactly so, but we are uh, also incidentally uh, you know uh, very proud members of uh, flamingo dao as well i think uh, the work they are doing to forward the space is so important right we uh, anybody who's on the edge of new technology forgets completely about uh, regulations about you know planting their feet firmly on the ground and the kind of work uh, flamingo has been able to do aaron and uh, priyanka and the rest of them is to so effortlessly straddle innovation with regulation uh, and and they've done it in in a solid way and uh, you know massive props to those guys I'm sort of curious, you know, outside of uh, your own personal NFTs, I- I'm curious about your collection habits here. But I'm also wondering, like, is there a minimum that you have to spend when you go in to buy an NFT, like, what, be- be- because you're a steward of this fund? Oh, uh, I-, I don't shop with anything less than a million dollars, Nick. So a million dollars. No, I'm just is- kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely kidding. So there is. <laughs> there's no minimum amount there's no maximum amount either i mean uh, like like i said this has been uh, an evolving experiment there have been weeks when we did spend upwards of 2 and a half 3 million dollars uh, for instance uh, you know december of 2020 is a good example of that right but then uh, you you also do find uh, so much joy in being able to support up and coming artists uh, sub one eat uh, buys have are some of the most precious uh, items in the collection as well so it's it's easy to do this when in a way i mean easy i say uh, you know I, i use that term very broadly when you're not looking at nfts uh, as an investment all the time and that that's uh, uh, that's the beauty of how metacoven has engineered this right so he has removed the burden of uh, this fund essentially being a, a sort of an investment vehicle there is no roi apart from being able to experiment in this space and to create value long term instead of thinking short term so that 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 is so empowering uh, and and makes this the best job on the planet yeah i'm like holy shit how did like are you the, is he he must be like one of your best friend at this point i'm imagining <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, pretty much like just nine i mean uh, uh, sorry yeah, i didn't mean to interrupt No, no. Uh, please, we have not not just mine. You know, uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's so much fun when you approach a space with a mindset of abundance, right? It's all right. I mean, uh, th- there are uh, weeks and months when you uh, put a stop to the buying, but then uh, when you do really feel it, you know, when you feel strongly about a certain NFT or a project, uh, you you have this uh, ability, this freedom to go all in as well. so i think that's that's very important to have that that kind of a mindset is what uh, truly uh, allows for moments of serendipity and those tiny moments of magic to happen uh, and and metacoven's all about serendipity like that uh, the fact that he participated in the ethereum ico was a stroke of serendipity he had no interest in it he was <laughs> pushed into doing it by one of the uh, co-founders of ethereum which is you you got to be open to that stuff you know take a leap and be okay with uh, what happens after i mean i completely agree it, just the nft space itself feels very much like that you know i've hopped on some calls with people and then bought their nfts or been in an event and and i'm like you know it, it's it's one of the weirdest forms of um investing and spending money as i'm like I don't know what's going to come out of this but like I'm having a ton of fun doing it and 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 that's really uh, incredible. Your job sounds like the best job in the world. 
Yep. It sounds no argument there. <laughs> um, so in terms of, uh, I'm curious, uh, you know, we just mentioned some of your favorite investments. What are from some of your favorite NFTs and artists today? I, I'm sure you have a vast portfolio at this point, but maybe, and there's a recency bias here, uh, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what, are there any that stand out today that you're just like, oh my gosh, or you were talking about a sub ETH one. Maybe there are some that stand out that you're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're at the forefront of this person's career. I don't know what, what stands out to you today that you're just really proud about in terms of uh, NFT collection on the art side. Yeah. You know, strangely enough, the, um, if you look at the number of uh, NFTs in the collection, it's not that much. It's just that for uh, uh, a variety of reasons and because of the uh, network effects of what we've been able to do with those NFTs, right? It, it feels like a very significant collection. We've been lucky in that sense. The way we've chosen the NFTs, we've chosen the artists. Uh, we, we're very close, uh, how do I say, we, we feel very strongly about uh, the early artists in the space. You know, the uh, uh, dozen artists in First Supper, for instance, we still really like those artists. Josie Bellini, Sparrow, Matt Kane, for instance, a lot of money. We're working with him on something exciting. Uh, there's Mlipti. Uh, and then uh, on fourth, we also discovered uh, artists like Angie Taylor, who's a VR sculpture. There's uh, Giant Swan. Uh, there's uh, Lucas Aguirre, a bunch of artists, man. I mean, it, it, this is something I can talk all day about. Uh, I, I spend hours just looking at, uh, uh, you know, either marketplaces like Async Art and Super Rare, uh, and also my own collection, because each of them uh, represents a certain memory, a certain reason behind why I bought that piece. And that's uh, that's so powerful to me even today. So I'm curious uh, where the, right now there's a boom in Avatar NFTs, Bored Apes, uh, and then the list goes on from there, yeah. basically. Uh, one, do you own any of these? Which ones do you like? And, and two, uh, what is your, like, do you have any thesis on this space and where you think that that's, uh, like, um, I had on a speculator I'm about to publish today. He thinks it's a six-week cycle similar to the Nifty Gateway, like, uh, short-term cycle uh, in terms of, like, major influx of capital. But, uh, yeah, do, do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I can't disagree that it's it's part of a cycle. But then uh, you've got to look at the trend uh with a macro perspective, right? What does it tell you? It doesn't tell you that, uh, you know, board apes are the thing, but what it tells you is that there is, uh, you know, a demand for avatars, a demand for identity in the metaverse. People want to uh, sort of jazz up their identity, sort of infuse their identity with something more than what they came with. And I think that's a very powerful idea. And if you looked at that idea a little more closely, you might be able to see more potential than uh, in, in, in just the next iteration of collectibles, whether it's board apes or, uh, you know, Mebits or, uh, or whatever they are. I do own, uh, you know, one Avastar from, uh, from really early days. I've never used it as a profile. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with the Tubador persona itself because it, I mean, uh, let's face it, it is uh, a pseudonym at the end of the day, and I've grown into it and it's sort of grown on me. So it's, it's very difficult to then replace it with uh, something else unless it really speaks to me. And I think people are looking for that connection in their avatar. So uh, I think the um, avatar collection that will win is something that can give them not just a really uh, wide range of uh, characters, 
and sort of and and by characters i mean characteristics personalities within every avatar uh, and not just uh, generative uh, um, you know features that that just you know sort of play into each other so uh, you mentioned that you're part of flamingo dow are you uh, and and they have a large crypto punks portfolio do you does your fund yep. directly also own some or uh, is it is all of that through uh, flamingo dow it's all through Flamingo Dow. We might have maybe three or four. Just you know, just want to dip our toes into it. That's it. Like I said, we we completely bypassed it. And when you know that something sold for uh, less than an ETH at some point, and you're in the same space, you don't want to buy it for a million dollars again. So I don't know. You know, I, I do have a goal of having a CryptoPunk myself. I started, at, well, actually, which brings me to my next question. After you all uh, bought the, uh, B, or launched B20, bought the $69 million uh, piece, I'm, man, I, I'm embarrassed that I missed out on the uh, December wave, but I feel okay because you felt embarrassed as well on when you got into the space. So I feel okay about that. But uh, you, you, you also mentioned, um, and I, I think, you know, crypto in general is a space of FOMO, never being in early enough, missing out on opportunities. So that, that's just uh, the general sort of uh, vibe of the space. But when you guys uh, uh, announced that, there was also a Metapurse Fellowship. And I applied, but at that time, I, it was like, you need to have bought an NFT I didn't own an NFT at that point in time. I I bought one. For, I bought one for zero. I now have a. I think my portfolio is up to like twelve or sixteen ETH, maybe the size of my fund at this point, or like my my NFT portfolio. But it, it was nothing at that moment in time. I'm wondering, you know, what what uh, what came out of that fund, uh, out of Metapurse fund? Oh, sorry, not Metapurse fund. Sorry, Meta Metapurse fellowship. The, the fellowship. Oh, some very uh, interesting stuff, actually. Uh, a fellowship that was meant to go to five uh, uh, creators, five people, now has been split into two parts. One part is uh, 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 it has launched two creators. One of them is Paradox, who's sort of a cinematographer in the metaverse. Right? He, he actually makes videos uh, of avatars in the metaverse. He's like the first cinematographer there. He tells excellent stories. And the other is, uh, um, you know, Pacho Man, who's based, uh, who's a Latin American uh, YouTuber and content creator. The other part is now sort of uh, uh, funding a crypto creators program in, uh, in partnership with Nas Daily, where they've uh, sort of vetted and chosen 50 YouTubers, 50 content creators to make content uh, about the NFT space. And that is so cool, so exciting, right? Uh, they, they got close to 70,000 applications from all over the world. They sort of filtered it down to 70. And after the three-month uh, uh, training period, now they are down to the final 50. So it's a, it's a three-month-long fellowship in which uh, they launch, essentially, these 50 creators. And so um, I, I think we did pretty well with the fellowship, all things considered. And so uh, what would you say, like at some point, is there, is there an end point of this version of the fund and then there's like a round two and you're going to bring in lim limited partners or is this just an ongoing project? Um, is there some terminal date of this fund or no? I think we've uh, reached the terminal date of that fund. I mean, in that we already have um, all of the creators and we've spent all the money that we uh, decided to put into it. But I don't see why it wouldn't be extended uh, beyond a year. 
uh, it was meant to be a 12 month fellowship right so at the end of 12 months if it works and they still want to keep continuing to uh, create stuff uh, we just renew it for everybody i suppose so sorry i was talking about metaverse fund not the fellowship but that's also useful information oh the fund yeah the fund i suppose is here to stay it's it's uh, uh, it's basically a massive sandbox for experiments in the nft space and uh, i don't think that's going to stop anytime soon We've got some big announcements uh, over the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, it, it, the structure of the fund might change. I think the way it's structured might, uh, you know, we might add a few layers of uh, complexity. It might be uh, eventually registered somewhere, I'm thinking. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think it'll stop. Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today to dive into the details of this fund. Is there something that uh, people should look at for? You mentioned that there uh, may be some announcements in the next couple of weeks. This probably isn't going live for a month. So is there like one, um, one, one thing that you think will be live like in a couple of weeks that's worth uh, mentioning now? Uh, if we've got a month, maybe I can drop uh, an update. We are doing a, a physical event in New York, Nick. Uh, the day after NFT NYC. It's called Dreamverse. It's essentially a massive celebration of our journey in the NFT space. It's an EDM party, practically. Uh, it's a gallery uh, of crypto art in the daytime. And in the evening, it's going to be a huge EDM party. And that's happening on the 4th of November. Uh, we're working on it and we are super excited about uh, it. Basically, it's, it's, a, it's a massive thank you to all of the relationships that we've made during this and a celebration of uh, the NFT space in general. And uh, uh, it's weird because it's uh, it's about time, isn't it, that uh, crypto events became fun instead of, uh, um, you know, uh, places where people uh, get together to talk on stages. So I, I think uh, an EDM party is a perfect way to do that. So that, that's what's happening there. We are also um, building uh, a space in the metaverse which will um, house the Beeple 5000 piece. I mean, ever since we bought it, we haven't uh, displayed it anywhere or talked about it much. Uh, it, it feels like it's resting uh, in my garage against a rusty old bicycle right now because we haven't found a place to put it in. So uh, we're working on that uh, with uh, some incredible architects out of New York. So they've uh, um, redefined how we look at spaces in the metaverse and uh, that uh, that will sort of, uh, we're launching that uh, the same time that Dreamverse will happen. So these are the two things uh, on our plate right now. You said architects in New York. So uh, they're, they're, but the architects are designing the virtual uh, space, correct? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the event side. I hosted a first dinner a couple of weeks ago, and I'm planning on hosting a lot more of those. Uh, the the in-person interaction is key. And I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not about... Uh, having panels uh, of us to all, you know, lecture to each other. There's, there's really an opera. It's, it's, it's all about connection uh, at this point in time. And it's such an exciting time to be involved uh, in this space. I, 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 w I wish I was here earlier, but it still feels remarkably early and uh, incredibly exciting. So I really do, you know, appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on today as uh, a key figure in, in, in uh, this community. My pleasure, Nick. Uh, you know, one last thing before I sort of sign off. Uh, you're right, it's still very early and it's so exciting because we're in the middle of a renaissance of our times. This is a convergence of uh, 
of tech, of finance, and the beauty is that it's all driven by culture, right? All of the other inflection points in crypto, we talk about Bitcoin, altcoins, the ICO boom, DeFi, they've all been characterized by financial instruments, right? The volatility of the markets. NFTs are driven by culture, by art, by creators, and that is so exciting. That is so resilient. And uh, I think that's why this is the best time to be in crypto or even to enter crypto. I could not agree more. That's, that's definitely a great way to end it as well. So thank you so much uh, for taking the time again. Thank you. My pleasure. That's it for this episode of the Nifty Nick podcast. And if you made it this far, make sure to subscribe at the nifty.com. Thanks again.